Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Watch out, people! This is a hostage situation. Oh, let me. I'm gonna get people to subscribe to my Patreon at patreon.com slash MatthewDonald or damn it, this old lady gets it. Please don't hurt me. I've been a widow since 1947. I would love to see my great-granddaughter graduate college. Quiet, you. Oh, no. At patreon.com slash MatthewDonald, you can find bonus content for both my shows, The Rip, Wit, and Paleobites. For the Paleobites bonus content, we discuss pop culture featuring prehistoric animals. And this month, we're talking about the classic 90s sitcom Friends. Oh, I love that show. The ladies and I watch that every Tuesday night before bingo. Quiet, you old bag. Oh, no. I bet you're wondering, what the hell does that have to do with paleontology? There's no dinosaurs in that. <laughs> you forget, though, that Rob. One of the six lead characters, and probably the lead character, although none of them are lead characters in a technical sense, as it's an ensemble. Yes, it is! Shut up! But he is a paleontologist, and there are quite a few episodes that have to deal with his paleontological work. I mean, you know, he doesn't go on a dig or anything, but he and Rachel first sleep together in the Homo habilis exhibit. So how much more paleontological can he get, honestly? Going at it like animals, like their homo habilis ancestors. Link is in the description. Thank you for support. Have a good day. Except for you, you old lady. Because if you don't subscribe to my Patreon, this old lady will get it, I swear to God. Oh, I've broken free from my confines. I'm going to whack you with my handbag. You've been a bad boy. Your mother would be very disappointed in you. Subscribe to my Patreon. Roar. Growl. Snarl. Bellow. Welcome to Paleobites, the podcast more insulting to the natural sciences than the movie The Core. <laughs> My name's Matthew Donald, and each week, I and a rotating series of guest co-hosts talk about and rate a genus of prehistoric animal, be it dinosaur, mammal, arthropod, and so on. This week, I'm joined by someone who's taken a bit of a break from the main Paleobites feed, but has recorded plenty of stuff for the Patreon for me. It's Ben O'Regan. Hey, everyone. Hello. Hello, have you seen the core? Yes, I actually don't mind the movie, but you're right, the science behind it is absolutely terrible. Oh no, terrible. I love the movie, like, it's so self-aware, but it is, yeah, like, it is, it's fun, but it's and like, it's I mean, also one of those movies, like, you know how it depicts, the way it depicts the US military in it with using that harp light weapon of theirs, whatever it's called, that causes the magnetic sphere right. collapse or the whatever they're yeah. trying to fix yeah yeah something like well, that i could yeah. actually see them being stupid enough to do that during the 90s oh absolutely it's like oh we figured they'd have a weapon so we built it first and then 
we mm. made the core stuff. Oh, but it, it's great, though. The movie's basically yeah. just Armageddon, but down. But I like it, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways. Mm. Uh, in fact, I think I heard, like, uh, there was plans for it to be even more overt. And, like, rather than, like, being in a crystal geode, like, in the mantle, there'd be, like, a little thing of dinosaurs in it as, a, as an homage to Journey to the Center of the Earth. Journey to the Center of the Earth. Cool. But, that would have been cool, but I guess they can see, like... Yeah. No, I don't know. Some people might say like that's too far, but it's already pretty far. At least if you had done that, it would have been it would have shown audiences. Okay, this is meant to be ridiculous. <laughs> like, yeah. Even though it, oh, it kind oh, of it's a fun was. movie, but it, whereas it knows it's BS, whereas Armageddon, while it was still cheesy and corny as hell, it was trying to be serious. Yeah, within like its a, limits. Like yeah, like Armageddon does like go hard on some emotions, and it's like yeah, it's a bit silly. But and I also <laughs> like Armageddon, but uh, oh, I love Armageddon. Really lo- yeah, it's it's really long though. But yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Speaking of asteroids, uh, here's a dinosaur-related question. Albeit only only s- sort of related, I guess. So the Chicxulub asteroid is gonna come hit the Earth. Exactly same place. Exactly the same size. It's it's a twin of the asteroid. It's coming and it's gonna hit. Efforts to stop it have failed. What do you do to survive? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Hope that Doctor Who shows up with a giant celestial cricket bat and bats it away. Because, <laughs> like, I don't, I think humanity could survive. Because, I mean, a lot of it would die. <laughs> but, oh. I don't know, there might be some people in bunkers. Uh. Yeah, I mean, some of the bunkers are probably going to get affected by tectonic issues caused by the shockwaves, but we probably could survive. Yeah, like, especially you in New Zealand. Mike, this is a double, so it lands in the Yucatan. So me, up here in Colorado, I'm dead. <laughs> but you, you in New Zealand, your house might still stand. It's just, the, like, there'd be a lot of wildfires where you are. And then it's the ash in the um, asteroid winter. Yeah, exactly. And then that could last for years. So you've got to stock up on supplies. Hmm. So, Well, the good like, thing about something like that is we'd know, even if we don't have time to actually prepare, you'd have time to set your affairs in order and... um. A bit like that Kara Knightley film, um... End oh, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Yeah, Steve yeah. Carell will never do better than Kara Knightley. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> I kind of wasn't paying uh, attention to the film, but I got the overall gist of it. Yeah, it's like, oh, he's seeking a childhood friend that he kind of had a crush on. You know, that the world's going to end, yeah. Also, have you ever seen the movie, uh... It's... What is it called? It's with Gerard Butler. It came Greenland? Out, uh, Greenland, Yeah. Not yet. Because that, that movie kind of has a similar premise. It's like an asteroid pretty much the same size as the one that uh, Wife mm. of the Dinosaurs is coming, and there's no effort in the movie whatsoever put to stop it. It's just to survive it. Mm. Like, and so... It sounds like a, a way more grounded 2012, essentially. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, granted, like, yeah, 2012 is a guilty pleasure of mine, but I like Oh, I love those. 2012, too. Like, I love all these disaster movies. You know Moonfall that just came out. I want to go see that. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, so speaking of none of that, we're talking about uh, a controversial fossil. This was your suggestion, and I wasn't sure if I really wanted to do it because it was so controversial, but I thought it'd be kind of fun to do. Uh, that was the whole Dravidos- reason I picked it, because it's controversial, and it's also something I learned about back when it was there wasn't the controversy over it on one of my first dinosaur books which was one about stegosaurus and outward mention dravidosaurus was the last stegosaurus and it survived because india was an island at the time or something right right i remember reading that too but yeah so it's dravidosaurus mm. or lizard of the dravidadu region mm. uh, dra- which is the uh, southern uh, part of india where the tamils and all that come from if i know correctly right that makes sense i'm assuming uh, in terms of like 
other creatures in that formation. That's probably where Rajasaurus is from. Yeah. I don't know. I need to look that yeah. up. The Abelosaurus. Yeah, exactly. Type, definitively, we know it's a reptile. That's for dang certain. <laughs> it's whether currently it's debated. a plesiosaur or a stegosaur or something else yeah. is... Yeah. yeah, it's currently debated whether or not it's a stegosaur or a plesiosaur, two completely different animals. So watch as it's revealed to actually be a snake or something. So uh, size, 10 feet slash 3 meters long is what we think from the limited bones we have. Which, if that were a stegosaur, would make it the smallest of its group. But if it were a plesiosaur, that's more on the average side. <laughs> So. Yeah, because most plesiosaurs weren't actually the big long neck giants that you see in movies. Elasmosaurus is like the one exception, and even then it's like not even that big. It's like 40 feet long. It's not like it's not like a long neck, but in the sea, you know. Mm. But. Well, especially since they're not herbivores or filter feeders, they seem to be using their necks to catch fish. Right, so if exactly. they're overly long, which... that causes drag issues when they're swimming and stuff. Exactly. Speaking of which, diet herbivore if it was a stegosaur, carnivore if it was a plesiosaur. To be more technical, piscivore. Right, exactly. I just realized I'm describing this thing as if like it were a stance switcher in an RPG or a MOBA game. <laughs> like... <laughs> well, to be fair, there's very little to go on with it. Yeah, exactly. We do know th there is some more definitive stuff, though. Time, late Cretaceous, 90 to 84 million years ago. Uh, location, India. Described in 1979, pop culture appearances, until we can figure out for certain what the hell this thing is. I doubt anything's going to try and feature this thing. <laughs> so. If it was a stegosaur, as I'm leaning towards, and it was definitely a very, very late surviving one, because there was a big gap between its date and when they they died out, supposedly in early right. Cretaceous. It which exactly. means it has so, to have been a very long ghost lineage somewhere. Exactly. Like, that's the thing with the study of paleontology that's frustratingly apparent with each new discovery. We don't know shit. <laughs> like, we, remains of anything are usually quite fragmentary, meaning scientists have to piece together the puzzles that often have pieces missing or broken or bent or other stuff that overall just makes the experience that much harder. Exactly. Like, and then you've got like, the problem like when you're looking for things like missing links and stuff or transitional fossils. They actually get yeah. become hard to find, and then you get into the whole, well, people claim, well, where's what, the evidence? You know? like, um, absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. It's the fossil record is so spotty. pretty spotty like, not, that you're yeah. probably never going to find half what you're looking for. Exactly. The majority of dinosaurs we will never know about because they will have never fossilized, and that always hmm. makes me sad. But well, we'll probably uh, have the majority of groups and stuff just because of the sheer amount of yeah. remains being found. But yeah, there's right. going to be a lot of animals we've never found evidence of. Um, but still, the higher-ups, the paleontology CEOs, if you will, demand papers presenting the research. So whatever the paleontologists got, they have to write a paper on it. Them's the rules. So in 1979, after paleontologists P.M. Yagdagiri and Krishnan Ayasami discovered badly weathered remains consisting of a partial skull, a tooth, a sacrum, an ilium, an ischium, a dermal plate, and a spike, they were like, look at this mess. We gotta make something out of it. Plates? Spikes? That's a stegosaur, right? <laughs> so, well, it makes sense. Makes... I mean, spikes yeah. and plates, what else could it be? If it was spikes and scutes, I'd say like Ankylosaurus or something similar, like an Odosaur. But what right. other dinosaur has blooming plates? I know, exactly. I mean, it could... Okay, look, to play devil's advocate, because the devil doesn't have <laughs> enough advocates, maybe <laughs> it's like some sort of hardened scale? I don't know, like crocodile sort of thing? I don't hey, know. True, I'm not saying that it's a criticism, I'm just meaning if it's a genuine plate, no other non-dinosaur group um, right. has them, not even other Phyroporeans. Right, exactly, but if it's like so weathered, we don't know if it's a plate is a thing, so. True, there is that, because 
fossils can be distorted as hell. Exactly. So, like, if this was a Stegosaur, this makes Dravidosaurus the latest known Stegosaur in the family's history, beating mm. out the definitively last species, Mongolostegus. Guess where that's from? Mongolia. By nearly 15 million years. Uh, it seems that the decline of the Stegosaur family in the Cretaceous was caused by the increasing dominance of angiosperms, or flowering plants, as the family's decline coincides directly with that of the decline of the cycads. So, Which makes sense. Their teeth probably wouldn't have been as well adapted to uh, like conifers and flowering plants and stuff. Ex- exactly. Still, that doesn't mean they would have necessarily gone away completely. Some of them could have ad- adapted to feed on the new plants or stuck around wherever cycads still remain. As those plants are still alive today, albeit very much on the decline. Yeah, so it probably um, wasn't any one factor, but a combination um, change in the flora and fauna, like the floral composition, to stuff that they had to adapt to eat, and then animals that were better and more efficient at just demolishing everything in their path, like hadrosaurs or the iguanodonts, exactly. their predecessors, technically. Um, exactly. You know, just, yeah. Yeah. Just because, like, the ones evolution—it's a pain in the ass. Groups lose all the time. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's the thing, and like, well, especially like the iguanodons and the other kind of hadrosaurs. Those were like the first dinosaurs that specifically evolved chewing. And that would have increased the amount of plants they could have eaten. So hey, they could have just blitzed through everything. Yeah, exactly. Stegosaurs, as far as we know, could not chew. <laughs> so, like, they were they relied on soft plants to feed. Yeah, because so. they just kind of bit and soared through it, from my understanding. However, not content with this classification of Dravidosaurus, paleontologist Sankar Chatterjee visited the site in 1991, uh, the year of our birth, <laughs> and claimed <laughs> that this genus was actually based on the pelvic and hind-limbed elements of plesiosaurs. This new classification was not met unchallenged, as paleontologists Peter M. Galton and Paul Upchurch, who I think, based on the name Upchurch, I think I've mentioned that name on the show before. I know, he must be a famous paleontologist. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Argued that the skull, tooth, and plate bones of Dravidosaurus certainly didn't match that of Plesiosaurus. I mean, when was the last time you saw a Plesiosaur with spikes? I mean, I guess the Elasmosaurus of Jurassic World Evolution 2, but... That, that was, looks like a dragon. That's like artistic license to greater differentiate it from the Plesiosaurus. Sort of like yeah. the... Well, love it or hate it, yeah, it's kind of hard to make some animals look distinct beyond size. Exactly. So, still, as of right now, the remains are technically classified as plesiosaur, so Chatterjee must have had some pretty good evidence for it, yet the battle continues. Galton and Ayasami... Uh, Ayasami's been at this for a while, because they said to reaffirm the stegosaurian classification of Dravidosaurus in 2017. Concerning Ayasami, described it in 1979, this has been a 30-plus year... almost 40-plus year battle for him. <laughs> like... So it sounds almost a bit like. Granted, I know virtually nothing about any of these guys we mentioned, but I like the um, rivalry that's been going on between is it Horner and Robert Baker or Barker, uh, or whatever, which accumulated yeah. in um, him getting a character of him in um, Jurassic oh, yeah, Park, the Lost World. Yeah, the guy that yeah. gets eaten in the by the T Rex after the snake shows up. Exactly. And then his and then, whole comment. He was such a good sport about it, though. I forget I the know, guy's I saw name, this. but he's like, "See, I told you it was a hunter." <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, I don't know. Like, like Jack Horner has been the paleontologist consultant on the Jurassic Park movies, which I find <laughs> odd because not only do those movies show T Rex as a predator, an active predator, but they also have Sticky Moloch in Fallen Kingdom. So, well, I think they stopped using it, like treating him as like his word uh-huh. as gospel after the backlash yeah. at JP Three. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I guess that makes sense because yeah, it was his idea to have this the Spinosaurus be a giant super predator, right? That killed mm. the T. And I think, I mean, I think Spielberg wanted to change it up, but because apparently, um, going for, I think it was from Clayton Fioriti's channel or another one of those channels yeah. on YouTube that covers. I love that, that, I was that channel. To mention that there was a bit of a backlash against there being two T. Rexes. Apparently, people felt that it diminished its presence, and I'm like, what? Yeah, well, I kind of like that. Like, it's just like upping the stakes. Now, obviously, there's yeah, a limit. Yeah, I found two T-Rexes blimmin' terrifying. Like, I, 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 I mean, definitely especially think Especially when a... you see Eddie Carr just before he gets eaten. I mean, yeah, he lamely, he's not able to get his gun. Not that I would have wanted the Rexes killed anyway, but it's like... Yeah, just... That's nightmare fuel that... stuff, seeing them bash through and get him and then rip him in two. Exactly. No, I love that. Doing that classic Lady in the Tramp style thing, but with a human instead of a spaghetti. <laughs> like, yeah. But, but yeah, so, no, I agree. Like, yeah, I think that's silly to, like, it's upping the stakes. Now, granted, there is a limit. Like, if they'd done, like, 50 T-Rexes, obviously that's too much. <laughs> but, like... But that sounds so. a bit like one of the plans they originally had for Alien Free back before the one that everyone knows and not everyone likes came out, the... Right, because, um, like, yeah, I think... One of the plans re- was to have a bunch of, like, alien queens being fought by people in power loaders, and I'm just like, yeah, that's ridiculous. That's too far. That goes against the whole horror movie aesthetic of of the first yeah. one. Now, I get, like, like the first one was a horror movie. The second one was more of an action movie because that's they had multiple mm. xenomorphs. And it was but, still uh, terrifying in its own way, though, especially the yeah. cutting the power thing. So, like, how did they even know to do that? Exactly, so... Anyway, so, to get back to, uh, yeah, Dravidosaurus, yeah, this has been a battle going on a long time for Asami, and to this day, studies are still being made to trying to figure out what the hell this thing was. So let's vote, shall we? <laughs> was Dravidosaurus a stegosaur or a plesiosaur? Let us know in the comments. Please leave comments. <laughs> and obviously, you, you know, in my position, I'm convinced it's a stegosaur for now. I am inclined to agree, but I feel like, just to mix it up, I should say it's a plesiosaur, but I don't. I don't think it's a plesiosaur. I think it's a stegosaur. Uh, and now, granted, some of that is personal bias like i love the idea of a late cretaceous stegosaur but two it's also because like the plates and spikes like that's that's hardly that i mean that would have you have to really work around like how is that some kind of crocodilian i mean we know like there were some um crocodiles that converged on dinosaurs or crocodilomorphs like poposaurus or whatever from if i'm pronouncing it right from the triassic we thought it was an ornithomimid Right, like, the Poposaurus is crazy looking. That is basically a dinosaur, but it's a crocodile, a crocodilian. Yeah, so crocodilian. maybe there was a bit like, maybe there was some crocodilian offshoot, like, not a true croc, but like some of the various groups that existed right. before, back then, that converged like, on stegosaurs, a bit like um, etiosaurs converged on ankylosaurs right. before ankylosaurs exactly. were a thing. Exactly. Oh, that drives me crazy in, when dinosaurs run in America that he calls it Damastosuchus rather than Desmatosuchus. <laughs> so... 
I didn't even know it was pronounced that way, but good to know. Yeah, Desmatasuchus is what it's. He does that throughout the whole. He says Anato Titan rather than Anato Titan, which rather that doesn't really matter anymore because it's Edmontosaurus, anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just a very big specimen, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. So I mentioned this on the podcast before. Speaking of uh, big hadrosaurs, and this is a bit of a tangent, but there's not really much to say about Dravidosaurus, so I think I might leave this in. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I'll leave it in, dude. <laughs> Have you heard of Hypsabima? No, I haven't. It, it is. Very scantily remains, because you know how the Western Interior Seaway divided North America into two subcontinents, Laramidia and Appalachia? Yeah. So almost all of our fossils come from Laramidia, because all the sediments and other stuff there, work, like, it works really well there. Yeah, Appalachia so the, uh, is the West Coast, basically. Yeah, but Appalachia, the East Coast, basically barren. Like, not that there wasn't anything there. It was just like the dryosaurs come from there. Yeah, exactly. Like the or fossils... Or whatever you call them. Yeah, like, fossils there are really hard to find. They do still find a few, but, like, most, it's, like, the something about the rock and, like, the way it erodes and, like, the formations, somehow it's really hard for fossils to stay there. Mm. But there is a evidence of a hadrosaur from Appalachia that's currently called Hypsabima that, if estimates are to be believed, it could have rivaled Shantungasaurus in size. <laughs> it also says it could be a small sauropod, though. Yeah, I guess it's true. Like, but I, I like to imagine like it being a big super hadrosaur, or like those pseudosauropods from Spec. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can believe it. I mean, because like I said, um, <laughs> granted, this is me from a bit of me reading too much of that Serena World of Birds project. But one of the animals yeah. in that called a fawn grazer, or is an omniphage, just like they're loosely based on hadrosaurs by the word of um, Dylan Barger who creates it. So um, they're supposed to be like everything eaters. So if that's true, a bit probably with some exaggeration, hadrosaurs just being such destructive eating machines probably means they could get the sauropod size and fill that ecological niche quite easily without needing any specializations like long necks and stuff. Exactly, exactly. Like just bash so, the tree down and eat it. Exactly. That probably actually explains why there's very like, such low species diversity amongst them around the end of the Cretaceous. I mean, obviously we've got lots of species, like you've got Parasaurolophus, Corypheosaurus, Edmondosaurus, and so on and so yeah. forth. But never heaps of them at the same time. Heaps of them across time, so... Exactly, they... so... It's just like, the, hmm. and like I guess the, the point of all this, and to bring this back to Dravidosaurus too, is like there's so hmm. much we don't know. And it would be, hmm. and like, more and more I wish for us to get a time machine. Maybe not a time machine, but like a time observer, where we could just yes. somehow look back in time, just so we can study more, because there's so much we're missing from the evidence we have here. And just, Mind you, if we had it, a time machine, that necessarily wouldn't be a bad thing. I mean, depending yeah. on one's view of um, paradox and stuff, I've always taken the view that going back in time splits the timeline, like divergent right. universes type thing. Sort of like Avengers Endgame, like where Nebula can shoot her older self yeah. and not die. Or, so. as I often explain it, the Red Alert view of things, Einstein goes back in time and tries to remove evil mustache right. man, um, comes <laughs> you, back home, yes. nothing's changed, but there's also a timeline created by his meddling where Stalin starts World War II rather than Hitler. Right, exactly. So yeah, mm. bring on the time machine! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I don't know. I just, I I'm, just, I'm I just... not going to lie, I wouldn't mind the opportunity to hunt a Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> Right. Well, and plus, like, I'm just going to be sad because, yeah. like, eventually we're going to run out of fossils. And I know we can always study, like, the fossils we have. But eventually, like, mm. hundreds and hundreds of years from now, when we run out of fossils, like, our interest in dinosaurs will wane because there'll just be no more to learn from the evidence we have. Yeah. And then dinosaurs might just fade into obscurity because one of the things that keeps dinosaurs so 
in the mainstream and so interesting to people is that we're always learning something new about mm. them. So, True. And then once, I think there will always be people who like them, but they'll become very niche once again, rather than like the mass like I've heard, media. yeah, like I've heard that we're not going to run out until like twenty the twenty three hundreds. Like we still got a couple hundred years left, yeah. based on evidence, yeah, and that could also change as it goes on. Um, like we could increase our fossils finding. Like maybe there's fossils down in the bottom of the ocean that we just can't get to now, but future paleontologists might be able to. So well, Antarctica's a gold mine, and we can't exactly get to it until it starts mounting. Later, we start burning through it. Yeah, exactly. So, so well, like it could it thing. could last it could last for a while. But the point is, eventually, we'll have run the well dry on fossils. So, and then the only yeah. new evidence will be what we've studied from what we've got. So, mm, true. And, and that'll be a sad day, but thankfully we'll be long dead by that time that happens. So. Unless there's dramatic life extension technology, which I kind of hope for, because I want to live a very long time. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Only if everyone else was. I don't want to be alive when everyone else I know is dead. <laughs> so. Oh no, I can definitely understand those arguments. It's just There's a lot of things I want to do. Yeah, I want, my my friend who's a big Trekkie, he wants to get to like 22-something because he's like, that's when warp travel's invented, <laughs> so uh, God. <laughs> um, Lawrence, if you listen to the episodes with Lawrence Mack, he's the Trekkie fan. <laughs> I might need to teleport over the only other word to him. <laughs> exactly. All right. So, how excellent was that? I just did. <laughs> I have no idea. All right. So let's rate Dravidosaurus one out of sixty-five million. I feel like this deserves two ratings. Well, because one, if it's a plesiosaur, one, if it's a stegosaurus, or maybe not, I don't know. Like, because you definitively think it's a stegosaurus. I'll go first, and if it's a stegosaurus, I'm going to be unoriginal and give it 65 million, because it's pretty impressive it made it that far, if if it really is the last one, assuming that there aren't ones that are found even later than it. Well, Um, I mean, like, the the World of Skull Island book has a surviving Mm. stegosaur in it, which seems to imply that, at least on Skull Island... Some have mm. kept living, so... Mm. And even they, then, they were on their way out, even if the island hadn't been um, sinking, because they were subsisting right. on ferns, and those ferns are only found in a small area. Right, exactly, so... Even Skull uh, Island doesn't give them a break. <laughs> well, to be fair, Skull Island gives no one a break, so... But yeah, so I'm gonna give it, like... <laughs> like, if it's a stegosaur, like, uh, 55 million, 56 million... Yeah, it's not, like, an impressive stegosaur, it's very small, but yeah, the fact that it lasted that long, if... That, that's pretty mm. cool. If it's a plesiosaur, though, it's a tiny plesiosaur, 5 million. <laughs> Although I guess it has spikes if it's a plesiosaur. That's pretty cool, 10 million. Yeah. If it's <laughs> so. a plesiosaur with spikes, I might give it 32.5 million. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, yeah, I think I'm going to bump it up, because a plesiosaur with spikes and plates, that sounds cool as. 35 million, so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it's probably it's probably a stegosaur. So, it's right, also well, a chance it, the- it might be neither. It might be Bloomin' Stitch running around in time looking for experiments, <laughs> and he left weird fossils. <laughs> that, that 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 could work. That's something they could do. <laughs> Who knows? So I just wanted to inject that in because that's like one of my favorite late Disney movies. Yeah, I'm partial more to Atlantis, but I do like Stitch. So. Uh, <laughs> All right, well, that's it for this week. Uh, if you want to get a hold of the show, you can contact us at MatthewD at MatthewDonCreator.com. If you're interested in questions to either co-host, uh, if you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me at MatthewDonCreator on Facebook, at MatthewDon64 on Twitter, and MatthewDon64 on Instagram. Let's see, I also have another podcast called The Rit Witch, where two twists talk about writing. And finally, I have a book series on Amazon, Megazoic, available for print and Kindle. No Dravidosaurus, because I was not brave enough <laughs> to, to definitively say, even though I could just say, in the world of Megazoic, it is a stegosaur. So, well, Honestly, I don't blame you, because didn't you also, from what I remember from my skim reads, avoid Spinosaurus? 
Yes. Uh, well, I, when I did have Spinosaurus, I made it specifically a mutant dinosaur. Made it by yeah, his that's bag. what I mean. Yeah. yeah, so like that way I could explain any sort of changes. Like, oh, it was a mutant! <laughs> like... And again, though, it really it really doesn't matter in terms of the realm of fiction. Like, I, I strive, of course, to make them realistic, obviously, other than the fact that they talk and have laser guns. But, <laughs> like, I gave them feathers, and, like, I gave them sort of more updated sort of stuff. But if I wanted to, and if I wanted to make them, like, 1970s-style slurposaurs with dragging tails and scaly skin and kangaroo posture, I would have 100% been justified in doing so because it is fiction. Like, it <laughs> Some people would have to get over uh, that. And I should probably interject this in. People who do yeah. listen to Rip Rip, I don't do that, so don't go listening to it looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, of course. Yeah, you're not there. Uh, lots, yeah. Some of my co-hosts go back and forth, but most of them don't. So, yeah. yeah. I don't think I've even listened to it before, to, in all honesty. Uh, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> this Sorry. gets way more downloads. Because <laughs> uh, it's mostly oh. about writing, isn't it? Yeah, it's mostly about writing and, like, yeah, sort of stuff. I do have fun skits at the beginning, which I kind of like. Alright, well that's it for this week. As I say at the end of every episode of Paleo Bites, uh, either splash, splash, or <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and for our listeners, keep safe everyone. Don't catch that Dan flu. Don't catch COVID. Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.